Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back, my dear friends, to 21B in Tractate Shabbat on the bottom of the page, about 12 lines from the bottom of the page. The Gemara now attempts, we started last week talking about what is Hanukkah? What is the source for Hanukkah? This week, the Talmud is going to talk a little bit about the laws of Hanukkah, and it's going to bring it from a different piece of Talmud. Tanan Hasam, we learned over there, and this is in Tractate Baba Kama 62b, it says the following, Gates hayotze mitachas apatish v'yotzevehizik, if a spark flies out from under a blacksmith's hammer and went and damaged another person's property. Chayef, the blacksmith is liable. So he's banging his hammer, a spark goes out, burns the neighbor's barn, you're responsible. Gamal shetaun pishton v'hu over if a camel laden with flax was passing through the public domain, it was going through like the narrow alleyways in Jerusalem, for example. V'nichnas apishtano litochachanos, and the flax protruded into a shop, v'dolka b'nero shel chenvani, and it ignited by the shopkeeper's light, so the shopkeeper has a, a, a little candle burning. The camel goes through with all of that flax hanging over it and now catches fire. And the burning flax then set fire, set ablaze a mansion. The camel's owner is liable for all the damage to the building. However, if the shopkeeper placed his light outside of the shop, then the shopkeeper is liable. Rav Yehuda Amar, Bener Hanukkah Patur. If the shopkeeper's Hanukkah light was outside, he's not liable. An inference is drawn from this Mishnah. Amar Ravina Mishum de Rabba. Ravina said in the name of Rabba, Zosameris, this ruling of Rav Yehuda is teaching us, it indicates that ner Hanukkah mitzvah that the requirement is to place the Hanukkah light with intent to fachim from the ground, the isalkadaitoch lamalamiasora, for if it enters your mind that one may place it above ten tefachim. What is ten tefachim? Tefach is a hand's breadth. So this is a tefach. Ten of them from the ground. So it'd be about this high. This is the height that it should be to have a menorah placed when lighting, if it enters your mind that one may place it above ten tefachim, even in the first place, lemalei, 
let the damaged property say to the shopkeeper, You should have placed your Hanukkah light above the height of the camel and its rider, for you knew that a lower placement is hazardous. Since the damaged party is denied such a winning claim, we may conclude that it is indeed a mitzvah to place the Hanukkah lights within ten tefachim of the ground. The Gemara is not convinced by this argument. But perhaps if the shopkeeper is put to a great deal of trouble, right? See, it's a lot of work to get all the way up there. You got to get a ladder and, and put it so high. If you make it difficult for the shopkeeper, he's not going to light a menorah. Is he going to make you going to make it too difficult? Hence, his non-liability may possibly derive from this consideration, and it cannot serve as a proof that the Hanukkah lights should be placed within Tedvachim of the ground, within ten hands breaths from the ground. Another law regarding the placement of the Hanukkah lights, Omar of Kahana, of Kahana said, Rav Nasan Barman Yuma expounded in the name of Rav Tanchum. Again, why do we say all of these names, doctor? Why do we say all these names? We need to know the source. Who says what? This is not the New York Times where we give anonymous sources. We have to have the source. Tell me who said it. A Hanukkah light that was placed above 20 amos from the ground. What is 20 amos? An amos is about 2 feet. So if it's 40 feet up, it is invalid, as in the cases of the sukkah and a mavui. So these are things, for example, if you have a sukkah which is that high, the sages tell us that it's not a kosher sukkah. Why? Because you can't even see, because you're going to be sitting there. It's like so high up, you don't even see that you're in a sukkah. It, look, it feels like you're in a regular building or in a regular home. Right? You have to be able to... Same thing with the mitzvah of Hanukkah. If you put the menorah so high up, no one's going to even know the menorah is there. And what is the mitzvah of Hanukkah? To see the light and to share that light with the world and for the world to see the miracle that transpired with the Jewish people. Ah, pirsume nisa. You want to be mefarsim the nais. You want to be uh, publicizing the miracle. That you need to be able to see it in order to get any, to derive any lesson from it, to derive any inspiration from it. But here's an interesting question. You know, where we lived in in Jerusalem, we were living, the, the buildings are built on a hill. So what they do is they dig into the mountain on one side and they place the foundation deep in there. So on one side, there's a street where you're ground level. But you go five flights up and then you're ground level for the second street. So here's the question. If you live on that first floor of the upper street, which is where we lived on in Harnof in Jerusalem, we lived on Rachov Katznelbogen. On Rachov Katznelbogen, we were ground level. But we were on the fifth floor when we looked outside of the other side of the building. When we looked outside of our porch, we were on the fifth floor of the street beneath us. So what's if you light your menorah on the fifth floor facing one way, but it's really on the first floor facing the other way? But the door, you can have a door that's facing the street. You can put your, have, you put it on the window. You're not putting it by the door. You put it by the window, let's say. 
And most people put it by the window when there's not an ability or it's unsafe to put it by the doorway. So people, people put, by the, put, it, put it by the window. So if you're driving by on one side, it's at eye level. If you're driving by on the other side, you got to look up 50 feet to see it. Does the, So is the placement of the menorah valid, period? That's the question. So you have in many buildings where you have eight floors, 10 floors up, the guy who lives all the way on the top floor, there's no chance that anyone can see that. And that's way, way higher than the sight of the typical eye. So what do we do? In those cases, those people light it outside by the front door of the building. And you have these glass containers. You can buy a glass uh, protective frame that that way the wind doesn't blow out the menorah. But we'll get to those details later. So now the Gemara presents another exposition of Nasanbar Manyumi. Let me just, I want to just bring out what the commentaries say over here on this, on this topic here. He says, So such a placement publicizes the miracle to a greater degree for one who is making use of a lamp's illumination does not place his lamp that low. If you're putting your lamp at this height, that's not typically the maximization of the light. So why are you putting it there? To publicize a miracle. If you really wanted to use the light, you'd put it higher up. So you have more light going out to a greater expanded area. You have more use out of the light. So if you're using the menorah for your own personal benefit, which you're not allowed to, but if you were to use it for your own personal benefit, you would put it higher up. But being that you put it at tent fachim, which is about, uh, about 40 inches from the ground, there's only one reason you'd put it there so that it's at eye level for most people to be able to see it right in front of them, and they don't have to look too far up, um, and then they would possibly think that you just put it there for your own personal use. But like this, they'd get a very clear idea that you're here to publicize a miracle. If placed at a height of 20 amos or more, a Hanukkah light will be out of a passerby's periphery of vision. And so, the goal of publicizing the miracle will not be achieved. Although the Amora rules the Hanukkah light, in this case, invalid, the shortcoming is easily remedied. One need only extinguish the flame, properly reposition the menorah, and then kindle anew in the, in the correct place. So, you don't need to, you know, redo the whole menorah. Just extinguish it. Bring it downstairs. Bring it to the height that it needs to be. Relight it, and you're good to go. Okay, in each of these cases, the ones we mentioned before in the sukkah, in the mavoi, which is like a, uh, if you're using it for an eruv, which is combines uh, different properties and makes them into one, and same with menorah, the halacha imposes a 20 ama height limitation. The Mishnah teaches that if the covering of the sukkah is higher than 20 amos from the floor of the sukkah, the sukkah is not valid. Another Mishnah teaches that if the crossbeam placed over the entrance of the alleyway is more than 20 amos high, then the ground below. This adjustment to permit carrying in the mavoy on Shabbos is invalid. Although the height limits for the Hanukkah light, Schach and Korah are identical, the reason for their imposition varies from case to case. So it means the reasoning for it is different. Still, the 20 amos high, which is about 40 feet, is the same, the same rule that it would invalidate 
the fulfillment of that mitzvah. Talmud now continues. V'amar Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana said, Darash Rav Nasan Bar Menyumi Mishmeder Rav Tanchum. Again, he quotes from Rav Nasan Bar Menyumi, expounding in the name of Rav Tanchum. What is the meaning of that which is written regarding the pit into which the brothers threw Yosef? In a couple of weeks, in the Torah portion, we're going to read about how the brothers sold Joseph, but that was only after they threw him into the pit. The verse tells us, and the pit was empty, no water was in it. What's the obvious question? From the plain meaning of that, what is stated in the verse, that the pit was empty, shouldn't I know already that there was no water in it? Generally speaking, if it's empty, there's no water in it. Rather, what teaching does the Torah mean to convey when it states redundantly no water is in it? It is teaching us that water in the pit, there isn't any. But you know what there is in the pit? Snakes and scorpions. Very interestingly, why does it need to be snakes and scorpions? Let it just be snakes or scorpions. What do we need the whole blend to tell you the amazing protection that Hashem gave to Yosef. Snakes don't generally bite unless they're being bothered. Generally. Scorpions, they don't need a reason to sting you. And here Yosef is being thrown into the pit and he aggravated the stakes. He didn't need a reason to aggravate the scorpions. He'll be bitten up. He'll be killed just by them. And he wasn't. Why? Because he was righteous, and a righteous person Hashem protects, and Yosef was one of the two people in the Torah called a tzaddik, in Amos, I believe it is. It refers to Yosef as a tzaddik, and we know by Noah he was also called a tzaddik. So it's very interesting. However, the brothers did not know this, for in suggesting the plan to throw Yosef into the pit, Reuven intended to save Yosef, not to deliver him to such dangerous creatures. That's another teaching from Rav Kahana. Okay, another law regarding the placement of the Hanukkah lights. Amar Rabbah. Rabbah said, Ne'er Hanukkah mitzvah lepesach. The requirement is to place the Hanukkah light within a tefach of the doorway to one's house. The Gemara asks, And where exactly does he place it? The Gemara reports a dispute in this matter and rules in favor of one side. Rav Acha de Rava Amar Mimin. Rav Acha, the son of Rava, says on the right side of the doorway going into the house. Rav Shmuel Medifti Amar. Okay, just by the placement of this opinion, can we learn something? Can we know who the halach is going to abide by? The last one is the one we follow. We always give the opinion of the wrong one first. And it's not a wrong, but the one we don't follow. Okay, there's no wrong opinion in Torah. But Rav Shmuel Medifti Amar Mismol. But Rav Shmuel from the Babylonian town of Difti, he said on the left side, Vehilchasa Mismol. And indeed, the law is that the Hanukkah light is placed on the left side. Kedei Shitehir Ner Hanukkah Mismol Umizuza Miyamin. So that the Hanukkah light shall be on the left side when one enters the doorway, and the mezuzah be. On the right, and we should be encircled, completely consumed by mitzvahs. Every time we walk into the door, we have the mezuzah protecting us on the right, we have the menorah protecting us on the left. And the commentary here says, 
In this way, one is surrounded by the mitzvahs when he passes through the doorway. Nevertheless, if, if one places the Hanukkah light on the right, he has fulfilled his obligation. The requirement of placing a mezuzah on the right doorpost is derived exegetically. We mentioned this previously when we learned this Talmud. Maybe we'll go back to it one day. But the, the Torah teaches us that it's placed on the right side, right, the whole right side of the person. We have kindness is on the right and din judgment is on the left which is why the halacha tells us that when we wash our body we learn this in our halacha living jewishly podcast we learn about how to get dressed how do we wash ourselves how do we bathe we always deal with the right side first always the right side goes first why we want to bring kindness into our existence we want to have the shefa the the flow of kindness come upon us as opposed to judgment. Kindness means expanding. Judgment means limiting. We want to be in a world where there's an expansion of ourselves to the world, being God-like, where God God doesn't have parts or form, but God expanded of himself to create a world. He's giving of himself to sustain us. We want that type of kindness in our life, not one which is judgment, which constricts, which is limiting. Hashem should bless us that our Hanukkah should be so filled with light that we shine that light out to the world. It's a great opportunity to be a light unto the nations. It's the only mitzvah that we have that we publicize outside to the world. We don't put matzah by our front window. We don't put, you know, our sukkah in the front window. Many people hide their sukkah. They put it in the back of their homes. They don't need the whole world knowing about their mitzvah. We don't hang a shofar by our front window on Rosh Hashanah. And we don't hang a kittel or our slippers on our front window on Yom Kippur. Yet, Hanukkah, we place the mitzvah of lighting the candle facing the world. You know why? Because our responsibility as Jews is to never hide from our responsibility of bringing light to the world. That's what we're about. Our job is to show, yes, this is the way we pay our taxes. With every single I dotted and with every single T crossed and making sure that we're accurate and making sure that we are proper in the way we act. Showing the world what it means to be kind. Showing the world what it means to be loving. And showing the world what it means to be, you know, it's like the most remarkable thing. What's the most hated nation on earth? Israel. What's the biggest hater of the Jewish people? Iran. And yet, when Iran has an earthquake, who's the first nation to offer assistance? Israel. Why? We can't help ourselves. That's what we are, to be a chosen nation, that even someone who hates us and vows for our death every waking moment, when they're in need, we're there to help. Now, they always decline. But we always offer. And we're always the first nation to offer. Hashem should bless us that this Hanukkah, we should be a light to the nations. We shouldn't hide the menorah. We should show it to the world. Be proud to bring that light to the world. We should carry our Judaism on our sleeve. Not to hide it. Not to put it aside. Feel proud of it. We wear that yarmulke with joy, with with pride. We wear our tzitzis with pride. And not to hide, not to be ashamed of it, but on the contrary, be proud of it and shine it out to the world.